Let me say good morning again. It is truly good to see everybody here this morning. Um, I, I like to help out wherever I can, and so ladies, I want to give you a little bit of shopping advice. Uh, Father's Day's coming up, and judging from all the envious responses that I got this morning, I would suggest bow ties for all of the husbands out here, so just, just a little bit of helpful hint there for you. Bow ties for everybody. Um, it's not up on the screen yet. There it is. You may have noticed the yellow balloons um, up front and then also around the building in various places. Those actually do have a purpose. The purpose of those is to help remind us that we have a very important event coming up. Um, Saturday, April the 12th is our Reach for the Sun neighborhood open house. It's a time when we want to invite our friends, our neighbors, our families to come here at Netherwood to get to know us better, find out what we're about, find out about the ministries that we're involved in, and also get to know Jesus, get to know Jesus better, or get to know Jesus for the first time if they don't know him at all. And I would like to ask you to be in prayer for that event. Uh, be in prayer for the people who we know God is already preparing to send to us. Be in prayer that they will see Jesus Christ reflected in us. Also, I want to encourage you to be in prayer about who you can invite to be here on that Saturday. Who you know would like to come and find out more about Jesus Christ. And please invite them so they can come be a part of us. So there can be a lot of activities going on on Saturday uh, from 11 to 3. And I'd like to encourage you to be here for at least a portion of that. If people are going to come and get to know us, we need to be here so they can get to know us. So please plan on being here for a part of that. Then also we're going to invite the people who come and interact with us to share worship and a meal with us on Sunday the 13th. So on that day, this service will not meet. We'll have our Bible class at its regular time and then our later service. And then after that, we'll all go over to the gym and share a meal together, um, us as a family and also with our guests. So please plan on being a part of that as well. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. And Father, we thank you for the many ways that you bless us. And Father, I do want to pray to you about our outreach event that we have coming up. And Father, I thank you that you are already preparing people to come to, to get to know us better and to get to know you and your son better. I pray, Father, that you will help us to be accurate reflections of our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that because of that event, that people will come to know you, they'll come to know your son, and Father, that they will also begin the process of being made over into the image of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the ways that you have blessed us and help us to be a blessing to the community around us, to our friends, to our neighbors, to people that we haven't yet met. And Father, we look forward to that time. And Father, as we continue with our service, as we dig into your word, I just pray, Father, that you'll bless this time. Um, help it be a, a time when we do take a step closer to you, that we do draw closer to you and your son and to each other, and Father, that we become more and more like Jesus Christ. And I pray this through his name, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. So we're now in our third week of a seven-part sermon series that we're calling Come, Follow Me. It's a series in which we're placing our feet very firmly in the sandals of the very first disciples. And we're going to walk with them on their journey following Jesus. See, we want to see where Jesus led them. And we want to do that in order to give us insight 
into where he is likely to lead us. And we want to do that to help us prepare for the journey that lies ahead for us. It lies ahead for us because we seek to follow Jesus at all times, in all places, and in all circumstances. This series is in direct response to our 2014 Netherwood Park theme. Our theme is that all may know we are disciples of Jesus Christ. It's a theme that reflects our shared desire to follow Jesus boldly, to follow Jesus publicly, to follow Jesus consistently. Because we don't want there to ever be any doubt in anyone's mind that our Lord and Savior is Jesus Christ. So in the first week of this series, we looked on as Jesus called Peter and Andrew and James and John and Matthew. As he called them to follow. We marveled at their willingness to literally drop everything and immediately follow him. We observed that these first disciples were able to make such a dramatic decision and make such a drastic change in their life because they recognized that who they were following was much more important than what they would be doing or where they would be going or when and how things might happen. And we, as a group, affirmed our desire to follow in their steps by placing our unknown future in the hands of the God that we know, in the hands of the God that we love, in the hands of the God that we trust. And then last week, we walked with the disciples as they followed Jesus into the very heart of Samaria. And there, met a woman at Jacob's well. And through this encounter, we learned that Jesus continues to lead his disciples into surprising places. To meet surprising people in order to expand his kingdom in surprising ways. And we encouraged each other to be prepared for God to lead us into surprising places places, to be prepared for God to lead us to meet surprising people so that he can still raise his kingdom up in this day and time in surprising ways. So this morning, we're going to ride along in a boat, a boat on the Sea of Galilee as Jesus leads his disciples right into the middle of a powerful and violent storm. And I want to encourage each of you to be here throughout this series Please invite friends, invite your family to be with us so they too can walk along with the disciples as they follow Jesus. So let me remind you about what is coming up. Next week, we'll follow Jesus into an upper room. And there, we'll observe him sharing a meal with his disciples. And we'll see that eating with Jesus and eating with other disciples provides us with the nourishment. And it provides us with the strength that we need to continue following him. And then on the 13th of April, the weekend when we're having our outreach event, we'll walk with the disciples as their journey abruptly changes. It abruptly changes course. It goes from triumph to tragedy as Jesus is taken to the cross. And we'll see in that journey that following Jesus will often require us to move and walk against the winds of public opinion to move and walk against the winds of peer pressure and to fight against the winds of fear. The following Sunday is Easter Sunday and we'll spend our time together then following Jesus to the tomb. But thanks be to God, we won't leave Jesus in the tomb. Instead, we'll walk along with the disciples as their journey once again abruptly changes. 
But this time it changes from tragedy to triumph as Jesus defeats death and declares victory over sin. And then finally, on the last Sunday of our series, the 27th of April, we'll walk with Jesus' disciples into the community of the very first church. And we'll see that having Jesus in common overwhelms all of our differences and it unifies us in our shared identity as disciples of Jesus Christ. So please be with us throughout the series. If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Fourth chapter of the Gospel of Mark, and we'll focus on those verses that were just read, verses 35 through 41. And much like last week, this passage relates a story that is probably very familiar to many of us who are here this morning. It's a story that's also included in the Gospels of Matthew and the Gospels of Luke with some slightly different details. And this morning, as we approach our text, let's also bring up our key point on the overhead. It's a key point for this morning's lesson. You'll also find it in your bulletin on the outline. Our key point of focus this morning is this. Jesus is present with us and cares about us in the midst of storms. Jesus is present with us and cares about us in the midst of life's storms. So with that in mind, let's get into the boat with Jesus and his disciples. Our story takes place on the Sea of Galilee, which is an interesting name for something that really isn't a sea. It's actually a freshwater lake. In fact, it's the largest freshwater lake in Israel. It's approximately 13 miles long and 8 miles wide. And it's fed primarily by the Jordan River. And it's located in northeastern Israel. Jesus has been teaching. He's been teaching along the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. And his fame and his popularity and the crowds have steadily grown. They've grown to the point where he found it useful to actually teach from a boat. A boat that was anchored just offshore. So that he would be slightly removed from the crowds. And they could gather around on the shore while he spoke to them from the boat out in the lake. And then at the end of a long day of teaching, Jesus decided it was time to move on. And that's where we pick up our story in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side, which would have been the east side of the lake. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Well, let me pause here for a second and talk about squalls. When we're speaking about weather, a squall is a storm that occurs suddenly. It occurs without warning. And it's primarily characterized by very strong and fierce winds. So the image that we should have here is of the boat setting off in calm weather. The boat setting off on smooth water. And then out of nowhere... Completely unexpectedly, they were buffeted by a fierce storm. Picking up our story in Mark. Jesus was in the stern, which is the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Well, I think it's also important that we understand that the disciples' fear of dying is real. This isn't the case of a bunch of novices overreacting to a little storm. See, this boat contains, in fact, it's piloted by fishermen. By fishermen who grew up on this very lake. 
It's just not Matthew the accountant who's freaking out. It's also the fishermen who are scared. Their fear is real. The boat's about to be swamped, and there's a very good chance that they're all going to drown. And that's what makes their question to Jesus, don't you care? So moving. These terrified men aren't looking for Jesus to fix the problem. I mean, after all, who can fix a squall? They wanted to know, Jesus, how can you sleep through this? Jesus, why aren't you joining us in our panic? Jesus, don't you care about us? Don't you care about our desperate situation? In the midst of their crisis, they wanted Jesus They wanted their teacher. They wanted their leader. They wanted him to be present. They wanted him to be engaged. They wanted him to show that he cared about them. Teacher, don't you care? Well, he got up. He rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the winds died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Just a few words, and the weather changed from chaos to calm. But for the disciples, those few words had a very different impact. See, their emotions weren't calmed. Their emotions were intensified. I mean, look at it from their perspective If the sheer power of this storm was overwhelming, if the squall made them feel powerless, how would they feel in the presence of Jesus whose mere words overwhelmed the storm? How would they feel in the presence of Jesus whose power overwhelmed what made them feel powerless? Of course they're wondering, who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Who is this? See, here on the lake, Jesus forced his disciples to confront that question. Who am I? And he forced them to confront the follow-up question. Will you trust me? Who am I? And will you trust me? And as he left the lake and eventually led them to the cross, he continually forced his disciples to confront those same two questions. Who am I? And will you trust me? And as we follow Jesus, we also must confront those same questions. We must ask ourselves, who is Jesus? And will we trust him? So let's draw some lessons from the storm. The first lesson that you'll notice on your outline is this. We will face storms. We will face storms, and some of them will be a result of following Jesus. Well, who is Jesus? Well, it may surprise us to discover that Jesus is a Lord and Master who will at times actually lead us into storms. Sometimes he will actually lead us into chaos. He will actually lead us into trials, into persecution, into struggles. See, this story is a timely reminder that bad things happen to people. Bad things happen to good people, and bad things happen to bad people. And scary things happen to people. Scary things happen to good people, and scary things happen 
to bad people. And contrary to what some popular preachers might like to lead you to believe, being a follower of Jesus Christ doesn't insulate us from life's troubles. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ doesn't lead us down a sure path of safety, comfort, health, and wealth. That's not what Jesus promises to his disciples. In fact, when we choose to follow Jesus anywhere and anytime and in all situations, we're choosing to follow him into storms that may come about only because we are following him. Only because we are riding in the same boat with him. If we need a reminder about the fact that choosing to follow Jesus may well lead us into storms instead of away from storms, we only have to turn to Paul. Listen to Paul's description of his walk with Jesus. You can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 if you would like and read along. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 24. Listen to what Paul says about his walk with Jesus Christ. He says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles. I've been in danger in the city and in danger in the country and in danger at sea and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and without clothing. Paul wasn't insulated from life's troubles, and neither will we be. But when Paul chose to follow Jesus, he didn't choose a sure path of safety, of comfort, of health and wealth, and neither did we. Storms will come. Trials will occur. We will deal with scary situations, and some of those will be because we're, fa- we're faithfully following Jesus Into the storm. Second lesson we're most fearful when we feel no one is in control, and we feel most helpless when it seems no one cares. We're most fearful when we feel no one is in control, and we feel most helpless when it seems no one cares. Isn't that true? I mean, just like the disciples, the things that make us the most afraid are the things that we know are not under our control. We're most afraid of the situations. We're most afraid of the events. We're most afraid of other people over whom we have no control. And the unfortunate reality is almost all situations, almost all events, almost all people are completely out of our control. And our fears are often compounded by the sense that no one else really seems to care. Our fears are compounded because we feel like we're left to deal with these situations, with these events, with these people, all by ourselves. And that leaves us feeling helpless. Because we know, we know from experience that we can't navigate the storms by ourselves. And it's disheartening when we feel like no one seems to care. So what do we do about fear? Well, the natural reaction for many of us is we try to control every situation that we possibly can. We try to exert control over everything and everyone. 
We have a tendency to become control freaks and act as if exerting our personal control over every aspect of our lives will somehow leave us without anything to worry about. I've tried that. It didn't work. Because we know that it doesn't work. We know that there are and always will be things that are completely out of our control. But Jesus, on a boat in the middle of a lake, presented the solution to his disciples' fears. And at the same time, he presents the solution to our fears. The men in the boat had to learn, and we have to learn, that the opposite of fear is trust. The antidote to fear is trust. Trust drives out fear. And the solution isn't trust in our own control. The solution is trust in Jesus Christ. He's the one who is in control. The solution to fear is trust in the one who even controls the wind and the waves. That's the solution to fear. The third lesson. Dead people aren't concerned about dying. Pretty insightful of me, isn't it? Dead people aren't concerned about dying. It's true, right? I haven't met a dead person yet who had any fear of death. Let me know if you have. But I also want to say, I've met a number of dead people. In fact, I see a lot of dead people sitting in the pews right out here. Let me explain what I mean. See, I see people out in these pews who have truly died to themselves. I see people who have been buried with Christ in baptism. I see people who no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in them. See, I see people who not only understand, but live in the reality that physical death is no longer the worst thing that could happen to them. But in reality, it's the best thing that could happen to them. I see people who understand that because of Jesus, death doesn't signal defeat. But death actually ushers in our victory in Jesus. And that's what allows Jesus' disciples to face every storm with the assurance that life with Jesus awaits us on the other side of the storm. Our fourth lesson. The power of Jesus overwhelms the most profound fears. The power of Jesus overwhelms the most profound fears. I love the sound of that, the power of Jesus. One of the things that I want to make sure we don't overlook in this story is that it isn't just a story about a storm. It isn't just a useful metaphor for dealing with the storms of life. No, this really happened. See, our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ, the one who loves and cares about us, the one who is even now interceding for us, he actually got up off the cushion. He actually spoke a few words, and the storm immediately shut down. That's just one example of the power of the one who died for us. That's an example of the power of the one who is on our side. That tells us about the power of Jesus that overwhelms our most profound fears. Jesus, the one with all power, is on our side. And it's in him who we trust. 
and that overwhelms fears. I'm reminded of Paul's words. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Romans 8, 31. Paul said, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We cannot be separated from the love of God. And ultimately, that is what overwhelms our most profound fears. So as we close, I want to suggest four things that we can all do as we prepare to face the storms of life. The first thing that I'm going to suggest that we can do is to choose to go through our storms with Jesus instead of attempting to navigate them alone. Choose to go through our storms with Jesus instead of attempting to navigate them alone. Let's not leave Jesus on the shore while we sail off into our storms alone. Trust in the one who calmed the storm. Rely on the one who calmed the storm. Turn to the one who calmed the storm. Let's all choose to go through our storms with Jesus. The second thing that we can do is we can accept that Jesus is in control and know that Jesus cares. Accept that Jesus is in control and know that he cares. I know that in the midst of our most trying storms, it can feel like Jesus is asleep on a cushion somewhere. And it may make you want to cry out to Jesus, Jesus, are you there? Jesus, don't you care? And I want to assure you that the answer is yes, he is there. And yes, he does care. Jesus is present with us. And Jesus is concerned for us even when we don't perceive his care. Think about this. Our Savior, who cared enough to die for us, still cares. Our Savior, who loved us enough to die for us, still loves. The Savior who intervened for us at the cross still intervenes. The Jesus who controlled the storm is still in control. Jesus is in control, and he does care. The third thing that I think we can all do is we can all die to ourselves and live in Christ. 
And that will allow us to live in hope instead of fear. Die to self and live in Christ, and we can live in hope instead of fear. We all need to pick up our crosses daily and follow Christ. See, it's when we cede control to Jesus that our fear is replaced with hope. It's when we replace love of ourselves with love of God that fear is replaced with hope. It's when we follow in the steps of Jesus that our fear is overwhelmed with the expectation of a life free from fear when he welcomes us home. Die to self, live in Christ, and replace fear with hope. And finally, let's all embrace the power of God that's given through his son, Jesus Christ. Our Lord calmed the sea. And our Lord cares for you, and he cares for me. And his desire is for all of us to live in hope instead of fear. So my invitation is simply this. Don't try to navigate life alone. Instead, choose Jesus. Accept that Jesus really is in control and know that he does care about you. And choose to live your life in hope instead of fear by making Jesus the Lord and master of your life. And finally, embrace and relish the fact that your Lord and master is the one who calmed the sea. He is the one who stilled the wind and the waves. So if we can help you choose Jesus, if we can help you choose hope, won't you let us know? We're going to stand up and we're going to sing a song. You can walk to the front and let us know what your needs are. That's uncomfortable for some people, I understand. So you can also walk to the back and you can be directed to room 104 where a couple of our elders, godly men, will be there. They would like nothing better than to talk to you about the hope that comes through Jesus Christ. However we can help you, please respond as we stand and sing.